Jacob Wayne show. I am your Jacob Wayne, and with me, as always, is the oh, splendiferous. Have I already used oh. that one? I feel like I'm running out. I think that's one we use a lot, but it's a good one. I mean, Damn that's it. fine. Audacious, Kevin. I know. I think that's a new one. Yeah. How you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing good. Um, nice. We recorded our first interview today. We did that yeah. before this so even though this is the intro you're seeing um we already did our interview with our buddy michael neal or mikey um he's the guitar player or one of the guitar players in the band split tank here in fort collins colorado he has spent some time in logan utah where we both grew up or cash valley more specifically and uh he's a good guy and he also is i think he defined himself as first generation american his yeah. parents are both from brazil yep so he he got me learned on brazil i'm trying to think of what we could call these episodes like when we have a guest that just really teaches us about something it's like jake wayne gets learned on yeah brazil i think there you go gets learned gets learned <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, it was a good interview. Um, so far, Zoom does the 40 minute chat. So, whenever you have three people, it only goes for 40 minutes. So, we did have to kind of, I felt, oh, wow, we're actually getting a lot of information on one subject. And now we suddenly have a time limit. So, yep. You know, bear with us. Um, Do I have to? pull out the pocketbook and pay for some zoom so unlimited meetings we might need to and uh you know but it was a good interview a lot of good stuff we just might have to have him on for a part two yep um so before we get into that interview uh been eating anything good this week uh do any activities anything that needs to be announced uh see uh, not really. The, you know, I'm playing in a musical and that opened up. That's what I've been doing with most of my time. So playing the sound of music. Yep. Mm-hmm. The good old Rogers and Hammerstein favorite. Yeah. That's the most boring guitar part I've ever played. Musical is really not as bad. You know, it's actually some really cool writing in the orchestra. The songs are a little, a little cheesy, but that's a musical. But uh, the guitar part the... is boring as sin. What was the concept you're telling me about where it says it in the written music, like play if you want to or whatever? Oh yeah, it's called tacit in the tacit. In, in musical books. So it says like optional tacit. And that's the whole thing about the book. Most of the songs don't even have a note written. And then yeah. half of the ones that do say optional tacit for most of them. And then the other half, we cut out like half of those. So like, yeah, it's pretty funny. The guy... Uh, they this theater company really shortens them you know they cut out a lot of the the fat <laughs> so mm-hmm. like sometimes i'm like how did this story happen i feel like i'm missing like something like yeah. the story is just flying by but and then i realized like oh yeah we cut out like four songs in between there that's why they just yeah. kind of moving along okay <laughs> well, that seems to be the case with a lot of musicals too like if it's a really well-known story they're like ah, everybody knows the story we're just gonna hit, get the hits get to the songs yeah and then they cut down my favorite things because apparently it's just the same verses over and over again 
like mm. and they just sing it back and forth like three times so we only play it once it's like a, it's like one minute <laughs> it's mm. like the, one of the biggest songs in the whole show and it's like oh it's over and there's also i have a mandolin too there's a mandolin parts throughout and there's like i'm pretty sure there's like exactly there was four of them and one of those got completely cut out and they're each like eight bars a piece or something so mm. like nothing <laughs> it's <Yeah>. interesting <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting a uh, job editing down a play uh, I would. I want this job because whoever does does it sucks. So I want to do it. I want that job. I would be amazing at it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually a total sort of a side note. Well, yeah, it's a tangent. Is uh, I really hope that they do a film directed by Trey and Matt from South Park that do their Book of Mormon musical as a movie. Mm-hmm. I hope now that it's had a long run and been able to make its money as that, I hope that they have their hands in some theatrical version. It's that the whole be story awesome. because that is a fear is that over time it'll still be really good and be funny, but after it's reinterpreted so many times, it maybe loses a little bit of the juice. Yeah. I really want to see that show. Yeah. We so. need to look into some version of it and just go see it i'd be happy to pay a hundred dollar ticket again that's what it was up in seattle it's if if we grew up in utah it's it's like going to mecca (laughs) you gotta go it's amazing i want to see it oh yeah um other than that no real new events on this end uh nothing too excited exciting culinary wise other than i found out about vietnamese crepes which i want to try oh. which is like bon chu or bon chue or something like that so i'm, I'm gonna be on an adventure to try to go find that here in fort collins other than that uh let's just get into the interview bring on mikey all right we'll see you next week and in the interview right now. Studio Magic. Well, well, well. If it isn't okay. Michael Neal, our first guest. Huh. First yeah. things first. Uh, what do you prefer to go as? I I have a habit of calling you Michael Neal because I have some friends named Michael or Mike and friends named Neal. And you're in between, so I always just have a habit of saying it. Michael Neal. Michael, Michael Neal's Neal. hanging out. What do you prefer? <laughs> that's that's my professional name and more formal, but I've been I've been telling people my name's Mikey. My good friends call me Mikey around here. All right. And well so, we'll call you Mikey then. I, I think we're good friends. But yeah, well, uh, my, Michael Neal. Okay. Michael. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mikey, uh, what are you sipping on? I'm sipping on a left hand brewing rook bait IPA. Ooh. I've always been impressed with left hand. Yeah. And um, decided to pick it up, and it's quite nice. Hell yeah. I'll uh, be joining you with a Copper Muse Distillery gin and hibiscus. Let's see if I can. There we go. And uh, me and my boy Shockey kind of went way down that bottle more than we should have a couple days ago. <laughs> so I'm just going to have one and some <laughs> some black tea. How about you, uh, Kellen? I got the, uh, I think I might already had this one before. This is uh, the Wyoming Pale Ale from Wind River Brewing Company. Always a, always a favorite. I picked up a whole bunch of them when I was up there and slowly drinking through them already too close to running out <laughs> yeah you just recently ran out of the weld work stuff i noticed just uh no just the peanut butter i still oh, have a couple more weld works just the peanut butter might have been my favorite one that one hit a real nice spot <laughs> hell yeah well um currently we're doing our podcast video on zoom which according to what i was reading 
maybe it's different. If it is, feel free to write us at the Jacob Wayne Show at gmail.com. But when we have more than one person in the chat, well, more than two, uh, we can only go for about 40 minutes. So I kind of want to get right in it with you on this episode, hey. Michael, Mikey. And uh, first and foremost, uh, I kind of want to know what your projects you're working on right now, because we'll, we'll get into your history in a minute, but. Sure. Yeah, well, I'm still playing with my band Spliff Tank. Hell yeah. Moment, we've been a group same members for about three years now nice and um yeah we're pushing it um booking shows now after the pandemic and um recording yeah. some material nice and, uh, yeah so that's always an ongoing project and my main musical output <clears throat> nice it's a whole lot of fun um so and when did you uh, move out to Fort Collins? And what, what's the time difference between moving here and then starting that up? I moved here fall of 2017 for okay. grad school in water resources planning and management at CSU hmm. here in Fort Collins. And um, really just a year later, I met the guys and started the band. Um, Awesome. Yeah, Jack, Jack Moffat, Brian Dickey, and Ryan Tooley. Yeah. yeah, they're all really good guys. Uh, when I moved here in 2019, one of the first things uh, we did, um, we ran into you guys up at Mishawaka for the Les Claypool Lead in Delirium. Yeah. We were kind of hanging out there. And that's kind of where you had seen Fakoshka at one point, right? And, and you were kind of like talking about that a little bit. It's like, oh, okay. And then we know each other through Brandon Shockey. He's been on this podcast. He's also in my band Gamapa. And yeah, I think not too long after that, went to my first Spliff Tank show. And you guys really rock it out, man. I like your work. Thank you. Yeah. It's... uh. How would you describe your sound? Well, I thought of the term psych punk. Yeah. Psychedelic punk. Nice. And mixed with kind of that garage rock, post-punk feel. Um, you know, tell, me if you, tell me if you agree. It kind of has like almost like a little bit of like spooky elements too. Like yeah. kind of like Bauhaus and... I don't know. I, I didn't you do like a Pet Cemetery Ramones cover? Yeah. We yeah. That's so maybe we should bring back. I think and so. That that's kind of our vibe. Is kind of like a Halloween um, themed yeah. band or or horror punk kind of. It's kind of something go. yeah. we go for. And um, nice. so you know, Halloween's a special time because we can you know bring out these these spooky covers and mm -hmm. kind of push that whole it, it, it's it's fitting to the to the holiday you know yeah i've liked the whole combination of vibes the ingredients really work for me and i mean halloween's yeah it's my favorite holiday i had to think about it for a second but yeah. i don't know like uh I, i'm into punk i kind of grew up being a little more of a metalhead and uh but over the last five years or so, I've really kind of come around and really started to enjoy punk rock. So even your guys' particular flavor of it, I've really enjoyed. So, and I mean, I think I've seen you about five or six times now, something like that. I think you guys are getting tighter and tighter and just sounding real good. So thank yeah, you. Keep That's it up. nice to hear coming from you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one thing that we approach, like Brian is the leader. He's written most of the material, but I help him. We write songs together and I'll bring an idea and he's good at formulating the song. Yeah. Um, but I've, you know, I grew up on heavy metal too and but rock and roll and punk as well. But we just, we like to write just complete songs that are just, you know, with those 
those good uh, elements of a of a whole song, you know. Yeah, you guys got and, some pretty mean hooks. They get thanks. in your head, kind of like walking around, as I usually say, walking around in the kitchen making a sandwich. You're like, oh, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, so that's um, that's my musical focus, and I've been playing guitar since I was a kid, and I had a few guitar teachers that I will always remember in in Logan, you know. And, uh, you ever get taught by this guy, Kellen? No, but I nope. <laughs> I enjoyed watching him on stage. I I remember going to a USU jazz ensemble that you were playing in, and oh, nice. I. I remember Swamp, yeah, Swamp Donkey. Yep. <laughs> and you guys are awesome with your brother. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man. So, um, if that's what you're doing musically, you're working in the, the water resources thing now? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I just got a job working for the Fort Collins Water Utility, um, the Water Resources Division. Awesome. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, I'm stoked with that. And it's been really cool to be in public service and, a, you know, a bigger, a big organization with really competent people. Yeah. And um, the way they communicate and is, is really cool. It's something. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, it's just cool to be a part of and, uh, and what something you- very important, you know. What are you doing for them? Well, some of my tasks are like monthly water counting operation stuff. Like just got to keep track of what's coming in, what's going out. Because in Colorado, we have, you know, water law as in the, you know, the across the West where every uh-huh. kind of amount has to be, has to be accounted for. And you have to return water to the river because, you know, if you use it, you kind of have to put it back in the river for people downstream to use it. And their rights, as it has been happening for over 100 years. So um, so it's dealing with that, like the city's obligations. Um, But it's really cool to be a part of you know, the planning, long-term planning and um, just. um, Well, what I like about it and tell me if, uh, you know, I'm inaccurate on this, but uh, I find more often than not when I talk to people our age or maybe a little bit younger than Mm -hmm. I am and they're getting their degrees or their education, they're pursuing whatever careers they're pursuing if they're not even going to college. It's seems to be community focused, environmentally focused. Um, and I, I just think it's really cool. Obviously we're a little concerned about taking care of the planet a little better than it has been. And so I don't know, when you told me about that, I thought that was like a really cool field to be working in. Cause I mean, I think you probably agree compared to the history of water management in this country, we could probably really refine that and make it a lot better, don't you think? Yeah, in some ways, I think. Some ways they probably already done it. It's it's difficult because the way, it's kind of set in stone, the way of the water rights, especially in the West. Sure. I mean, in the West we have, we don't have enough water in the East, they're drowning with these with climate change and and more intensive storms but in the west yeah there there's definitely improvements to be made because it's an industry that's been that's that's kind of traditional like they just do things how it's always done and Mm -hmm. have the same methods you know you hear one in 100 year storm you design for droughts which is like one in 100 years is a probability. It's, you know, there's a 1% chance of that happening in yeah. any given year. So, and yeah, the West is having to make difficult decisions um, and yeah, change how we, how we use water because we're irrigating intensive crops in the, in the desert. And um, 
Yeah. That may not be yeah. sustainable. But uh, so it's going to be like a transition from irrigating ag to cities. But, um, Just a lot. A lot of things are more sustainable. Yeah. Put it simply. It interests me to, to get involved with technologies to solve water management problems. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about it, man. That's really cool. So I'm, I'm happy you're involved in that and helping that all out. Um, I won't go off on this, but I was watching a video today where I was looking into these solar plants that they want to put on the perimeter of the Sahara Desert and how that, that could pretty much give the yearly power supply to Northern Africa and the Middle East. And then they're planning on channeling it up north and it would cover about 15 to 20% of Europe's power needs by the time it was all said and done. And it's a huge project. And apparently it's already years into development um, under a German company firm. Uh, if I could remember it off the top of my head, I would, but I'm always fascinated by that, like what the solutions we're going to come up with to kind of recontextualize how we, you know, operate with the environment. Yeah. But anyways, I'm so I'm glad you're doing that work, but I did want to get into kind of one main subject today with you as a guest. Um, one of your shows, uh, you and me were like tossing a couple back and we were chit-chatting and... I was remembering that you have a background that has to do with Brazil. And I was, I was really fascinated by the conversation and I, you know, I can't remember exactly how I said it, but I was like, you should come on and talk about Brazil. I think yeah. a lot of Americans don't know enough about Brazil, if not most countries in the world. And, you know, maybe part of that's you grow up in your own country, kind of just focus on, what's immediately around you, but I think also added to, you know, us going into the future of things and recontextualizing things, it's important for us to all know more about the world we live in. And, you know, not in that sort of way that it feels like sometimes on like say Twitter or anything where people are kind of shunning you for not knowing stuff. It's like, I don't know, just, just teach me, let me know more about it. and. We can all kind of grow from it. So um, real quick, uh, what is your background with Brazil? I know you've lived there at certain points, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, my folks are from Brazil. They, they were both born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, okay. and met there. And then cool. um, they came to the States for grad school. And, um, and then I was born yeah, in, in, in Logan, Utah. Okay, My dad so was a professor there. They're all up at uh, USU? They're no longer there, but... They were. He was a time. professor at, at Utah State, yeah. Okay, yes. cool. But he came to grad school. They first came to Colorado State, actually, here. Okay. But, um, and then my... So my grandparents came as children from... Um, one of them, my grandfather came from England his parents you know he was a child when he came to brazil and then another grandfather is from norway um so yeah okay. it's it is somewhat of a unique background and hopped to brazil and then i've hopped here so in a way i'm a first generation american that's cool oh, yeah. but yeah and so i've i've been lucky to to live in in brazil um, lucky to travel there for Christmas with my parents and my family and my little sister now. Um, Do you have a lot of family down there? Yeah. On my mom's side, still, they're all there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. And um, Is that mostly around Sao Paulo? Sao Paulo and her other brother is in Rio, Rio de okay. Janeiro. So I've lived in both cities. Uh, those are the wow. You know, the two most famous cities. Um, Both on the know, coast, right? Rio is. Sao Paulo is a little bit off the coast, and it's a little higher elevation. And the climate there is really nice. Yeah. It's mm. temperate, while Rio gets really hot and humid. 
Okay. Um, oh. So, so here's something I think you could educate me on. Okay. Is um, I was under the impression that a lot of the European colonization of Brazil was on the coast and they couldn't really go inland that much because of the Amazon. And so that contributed to um, Portuguese getting more of a foothold when Spanish was coming down kind of more on the other side. Is that accurate or? Well, um, the Portuguese like came, so the Portuguese were there, you know, they came to Brazil, the Brazilian coastline before the Spanish were kind mm -hmm. of took over, but then the Spanish and the Portuguese had an agreement that drew South America in a line, basically. Okay. And so Brazil, or the Portuguese got everything on the right of the line, and then Spain colonized the other, the Western um, half. But then I think over time that developed into different regions and, and countries. Um, yeah. That's a bad um, habit of the European colonizers, if not yeah. a ton of things, is when they would create borders, they'd always do that flat line, like, I don't know, that must be the separation, right? Yeah. And we'll just make it like that. And you're like, no, due to like geographics and cultures, it should probably be a lot more defined and gets adjusted. I mean, you'll see a lot of those flat lines in Africa as well that are just like yeah. European borders. Yeah, it's, it's called yes. the Treaty of Tordesillas. Tordesillas. All right. What so, year was that? 1494. Okay. Wow. It's a lot earlier than I would have pictured, but yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, yeah, um, a little bit about the history. Mm -hmm. From what I learned, I studied abroad in, in, in Rio and got to take my electives. I took, you know, Brazilian culture and a history class. And, um, you know, I can't speak in depth about everything because it's so massive, sure. but an interesting thing. We only have thing, so much time, but yeah. yeah. You know, the, the Portuguese also brought people from Africa to serve as slaves, unfortunately. And, you know, an interesting thing that slavery was occurring in Brazil much up till the end of last, you know, the 18th century, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Later than, than here. Um, I didn't know that. And as, so as that progressed, I think, you know, they had difficulties with the natives. Um, the natives wouldn't work for them, you know. They couldn't force the natives to work. Um, but ultimately, um, ultimately the situation there is that those three cultures, the, the port, you know, the Africans, the Portuguese and the natives combined, you know, mm -hmm. they, they melded and formed kind of a, a Brazilian ethnicity, right? Yeah. That's something that we, we didn't see here in the States as much. Not so, true. Um, I think that's super interesting. And out of that, you have such a melding of cultures and language. We still, you know, there's a ton of native words in modern Portuguese. You know, you have culture from the, you know, the food, both African and native food and Portuguese food to create a Brazilian cuisine. Yeah. And, uh, and everything about Brazil is kind of unique in the in a meld of all the, of those three cultures. That's great. So, well, that's one yeah. thing that I've always kind of been vaguely aware of, but I something I really loved about the country. Um, total. So we'll hit some side notes here and there on this podcast. We talk about food a lot. Kind of tend to be a little mm -hmm. foodies. Yeah. Um, what's funny. some of your favorite Brazilian cuisine? Like, what's a dish? you were to get down there that might be a little unusual for the American palate, or maybe it's similar, but it's just like, it's so loved down there that it's like, I got to get that. One thing that I have to mention is a thing called coxinha, which okay. is like a, a fried ball <clears throat> of 
it's so you could root um like batter okay. but then they put chicken like a mixture of uh, shredded chicken inside mm. um Ooh. so there's lots of excellent like pastry like savory pastries that you'll get at just like any bakery or bar yeah and um so just loads of those kind of things and but the big one is feijoada, which is little rice and beans. Um, yeah, man. it's hard to go wrong with that, man. And, you know, the whole country, everyone eats that almost every day. And, yeah. Uh, and then they also have that with farofa, which is also a yuca root, um, like a dried kind of, it's like a flower, but they refine it into a thicker kind of like thick uh, coarse powder kind of so mm -hmm. that's always on the side with your rice and beans and also steak you know meats are huge um, kind of like a lot of the skewer kind of thing right different types of meat that's kind of depends but, yeah skewers are common but also just like a big hunk of Picanha, yeah. top Ooh. sirloin with the fat. You know, you've been to uh, a rodizio grill. Yeah. And, yeah. and like the favorite is the picanha. And it it looks like a C, like the fat goes around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they slice. So I actually worked at the, at the Brazilian rodizio grill in Logan. There was one at, for okay. a time being. Oh yeah, I've still actually got the Gaucho there. Grill. Yeah, Gaucho Grill. Thank you. Yeah, I worked there when I was at Utah State. Nice. So awesome. That was cool. And so I would wear the the Gaucho, the typical. You know, I had my uniform and like these pants that were like baggy, but they would go into my boots, my black boots, and red nice. scarf. I like <laughs> it. So, but uh, yeah. yeah. Um. No, that's great. I actually have still never been to a Brazilian steakhouse. I want to go so bad, but they, you know, they can be a little more pricey up here. So um, what was the festival that you threw here in Fort Collins? It was like kind of a celebration. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was kind of my take on a carnival party. Okay, yeah. Nice. And so carnival is in February, you know, before Lent or whatever, the Catholic. Is it mainly tradition. a celebration of that? Like kind of no, connected with that or? I mean, originally, yes. Yeah. But nowadays, um, you know, it's just a big party. And, yeah. you know, Brazil is a mostly Catholic country, but for the most part, people aren't um, that, um, you know, serious strict about it. Strict about it. Yeah. Very loose, loose Catholic. I, I think that's and, kind of an interesting thing because um like you spent time in Utah clearly a lot. Um Kellen and I grew up there. Like as far as Mormonism goes, the main religion there, like that's pretty strict. Yeah. People yeah. tend to like follow it. Yeah. Whereas it's like people I've met over time um you know yeah they're just like yeah i'm catholic but you know my family's catholic we're catholic right. <laughs> it's just casual yeah. like they kind of pick and choose what they're going to really worry about which i mm -hmm. you know honestly i've always respected you can always believe what you want but it's you're just like you know what but at the end of the day i'm human i'm gonna, I'm gonna do what i want yeah and it's as long as i'm being a good person and not hurting people that's kind of what yeah. always matters to me, but um, okay. I've I've gotten the warning that we're running out of time a little bit, but I did set a timer as well. So I do want to like these things fly by, man. So yeah. I want to see what else we can maybe get into. Um, one question I always have for friends of mine that travel or have lived outside of the United States. And, and if you can't think of anything off the top of your head, no big deal. But I always wonder what's something that is incredibly similar to the United States between the U S and Brazil. And one thing that's 
really different. Okay. Similar capitalism and our form of government. Okay. Um, Pretty similar. It was the democracy that was shaped after ours. Yeah. Okay. And I do want to get into a little bit of politics with a little (laughs) bit of our time. We don't got to go off. Okay. And then, so yeah, it's a capitalist country. What else is similar? Um, French fries. Um, um, they didn't start calling them freedom fries at one point (laughs) no they call them fried potatoes they call them batata frita that's such a better name (laughs) yeah sounds fancier there's and then so they're similar in that regard like institutionally um, and the work ethic they're very especially in the cities City is same culture of like grind. Work, 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 make money, grind. Yeah. Um, but um, and then something super different. I think the Brazilian people just have some kind of um, shared like. Um, how can I say this? I wrote something down a richness to their to their personality or kind of like a love and a and like a warmth kind I, of like a, yeah. a, a more intensity you know at your uh, the carnival celebration you threw i was talking to a brazilian friend of yours or maybe you didn't know him that well but he was at csu and i was sitting there talking with him about it he, i think he described that a little bit and he did have a name for it but yeah, it's a lot more outgoing, like yeah. loving, like I'll hug you and, you know, it's like, do yeah. I know you that well? Like, not really, no, but, you know, we're partying, like, hey, have some of this drink, like, yeah. and yeah, and, it's like for an American, it, you're, you're kind of like, whoa, I don't know how well I know you, buddy, and <laughs> right. yeah, well, Americans tend to be a little more like, let me figure out what you're all about first. But, yeah. But no, yeah, it seems like very more forthcoming and friendly exactly yeah that's good um my clock says here we got about 12 minutes ish so um i could think of two other things i wanted to ask you um we could do the kind of fun one maybe i don't even know if it's fun maybe it's not or get into politics a little bit we could do one or the other but uh touch on music yeah, I did want to get on to music too. So I'll hit you with a quick one. Um, okay. Brazil's flag. I always thought it was like an awesome looking flag. Some of my yeah. favorite colors, like, and it's it's got a really unique design. Um, is there more you could tell us about that? Well, the stars in the middle and the blue, the blue circle, the Southern Cross is there. Okay. And that's a constellation you can only see from the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, I didn't know that. And Crosby stills Black Sabbath has a song called "The Sign of the Southern Cross." Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so does Crosby, Stills, and Nash, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. No, yeah, it was always a really beautiful flag to me. Like back when I would play uh, FIFA yeah. video games, I'd pick Brazil yeah. purely because of the the colors and the flag. I was like, awesome. Yeah, um, it is pretty. Yeah, tell me a little more about the music down there, man. Um, before you get started, uh, yeah. my only real exposure to it was being a metal head when I was younger. There was the band Sepultura, and then later they broke off. And then there was still Sepultura, but then they did Soulfly. Yeah. And um, the dude had that one string instrument that's kind of percussive. I always forget the yeah. name of it. Beating Bow. Beating Bow. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, yeah, and they just had such a really cool tribal sound to them, and I was immediately like, "That's awesome!" And they'd get huge per- percussion groups, mm-hmm. you know, behind them for some of their live performances, and I was just like, "That would be incredible." But t- tell me yeah. more about Brazilian music. Well, yeah, one thing with Sepultura, they're incredible, and they took over the world. I mean, 
turn heads across the world for that integration of of uh, native culture and the roots, you know. So, but really, Brazilian music is a whole world in itself, um, and it's so important to them, to us. So, briefly, so I think I could talk about samba, which is the, you know, the music of Carnival and the more popular music. Okay. Um, traditional and very, you know, uh, rhythm driven and, um, and, you know, sam sambando, like the act of dancing samba. So that's the music that's played during carnival, which is a lot of fun and, and all. Um, then there's bossa nova, which is a form of jazz that's also extremely popular around the world. Everyone's heard those tunes before, uh -huh. you know, by the likes of Tom Jobim and João Gilberto. Really classic and amazing music. And I, I love Bossa Nova. I think it's incredible. And, yeah. and so that's always, that's a special, that's something you can always turn on when you just want to relax and, or like enjoy an evening with friends and stuff or a lover. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, so then there's that. And then I also want to touch on Tropicalia movement in the 60s, which was the psychedelic rock movement. Okay. And you got Gilberto Gil, who started out of that, Caetano Veloso, who came out of there. And these guys, during the 60s, there was a military dictatorship. And they, these were like, fight songs against the government and they were being censured. People were disappearing. Um, even Caetano Veloso and Gilberto Gil went on exile to London and they continued to write songs there. But what we saw was, you know, political songs masked in the poetry or like in the lyrics that, you know, they had, the meaning was underlying you know, it wasn't just right out, you know, fuck yeah. the police. It was so more subtle it was in there, poetic, more subtle to stay under the radar and stuff. So it's just so rich. I, I recommend everyone to explore if you, you know, if you want me to suggest some things, I can. Yeah. If you could give a quick list uh, of people that people should listen to for artists or bands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say Dijavan. He's a popular music guy. So, but then Bossa Nova, João Gilberto, and Tom Jobim. Um, but then Os Mutantes, the Mutants. Os Mutantes was a big band in the Tropicalia movement in the 60s. Right. And then from there, you can kind of branch out. Yeah, you'll find stuff on YouTube. Um, and awesome. so, and there's a whole rich, you know, there's, when I lived in Sao Paulo, I lived next to this street called Augusta Street, and this was like the rock, the rock street, and kind of like a real destination for rock and bars, but people of, of all walks would come and, and, and like, come for the nightlife, so... Mm -hmm. I would, I live near there, so I would go out there like on my own and just meet people, like talk to people. And one guy approached me because he assumed that I was American, you know, probably so. But then we got to talking, and he was a musician called Rafa Pagani. Mm -hmm. And so I would see him play and we would talk. Just great guy, friendly. And he was friends with this band, Cachorro Grande big dog in Portuguese. And they're one of the mm. biggest modern rock bands in Brazil. And I was a fan of them, theirs. And uh, even one day I met him on the street and he invited, he was with them and they invited us all up to, to their apartment. So I got to hang out for a night with members of Cachorro Grande, which was cool. Oh, nice. Sounds like a and, great time. Uh, yeah. Listen to records like all night. Hell yeah. Oh, cool. and, uh, but 
you know, it's just a huge world of music and it's, it's really worth checking out. And, uh, so genre wise, Samba, Bossa Nova, and then like psychedelic. Yeah. Tropicalia. Tropicalia. Okay. And then popular music by Gilberto Gil. He's phenomenal. He's done it. He's done it all. And, um, well, we are kind of almost there. So I did want to touch on this real quick. Um, one way that Brazilian news did come into my life um, a couple of years ago was kind of during all the Trump stuff. And then there was Bolsonaro, who a lot of people defined as like the South American Trump. And I was just kind of curious if you could kind of go over if you think that's accurate. Um, if it is really similar, if it's not as similar as, you know, yeah. American media makes it sound and kind of where the country's at now. That's, it's very, it's uncannily similar. Yeah. <clears throat> He's the Trump of the tropics, as they say. Oh, okay. So that is something similar because he was elected in the same way through misinformation mm-hmm. and through wow. social media. Um, fake news, you know, kind of going after the real, neo, neoliberalism or something like that. Yeah, the real fake news, yeah. you know, the original, the OG fake news, yeah. which is just misinformation spread over Facebook. And there they use WhatsApp. So okay. everyone, like the whole country is on WhatsApp. So yeah. that's a, mean, a means to share just videos that come out of nowhere, right? There's this show no, no. I'm watching called The Boys where there's this one character who's trying to turn public opinion like, and it's very much a commentary on today. And she's like, has a team of meme generators that just creates these yeah. quick little takes of memes and political opinion and just infesting social media with it. And then her line is, once you see it on your uncle's Facebook page, you know it's working. So... <laughs> Perhaps Tim, it's like once you see it on WhatsApp from your uncle, you're like, oh boy. Yeah, very similar. And he he came to power from a just unsatisfaction with with the government and the left leftist party who was in power for a long time. Kind of that middle of the road, not really that liberal or kind of corporate liberal sort yeah. of thing. I oh. I feel like I read that in an article once. They where were. It's, yeah. It's, it was the similarity of like Hillary and Obama here. People were like, well, how much liberal stuff were they actually accomplishing? And then people were just kind of worn out, but totally went the wrong direction and yeah. went for a Trump type populist guy, but he's like saying he's going to give you the world. And no, he's not going to give yeah. you anything. It was the same thing because they were like, he's different. He's not like the rest of them and he's not going to be corrupt and all this stuff because brazil is one of those corrupt countries in the world and that's that's how it's been for since for forever right so we're gonna drain the swamp (laughs) mentality maybe this one populist guy can take care of it all like he'll say has has no regard for for decency like trump He's from the military times, the dictatorship times, and okay. he fantasizes on bringing those things back and having, he had like this pathetic, like military uh, vehicle parade. Right. That was just like pathetic. <laughs> and well, he gets out of shit. And so his popularity is going down. So we'll, we'll see what happens. See if we can get him out of there. You feel like it's going in a good direction? I hope so. They're yeah. they're getting the vaccines getting out, and there isn't one interesting thing. There's less like hesitancy to get the vaccine. It's not as politicized oh, that's there, good. and yeah. it's they're like yeah they're they're asking for it. Like it doesn't matter. They trust the the health departments, right? Oh man, <laughs> no uh, imagine. <laughs> well, not to cut they still struggle with that. There's still people who are like, and they're Bolsonaro supporters who are not going to take the vaccine. I think sadly more and more 
seeing some stuff from the Spanish flu and stuff from today, there's always going to be that subsection of society that's just like, nope, I did the research myself. I'm a better yeah. scientist than the scientists. And they're like, shit. But uh, not to cut it off there, but we have hit our 40 minutes, so I would hate for this video to cut off. So I just want to say okay. thank you for being our first guest, and I feel mm -hmm. free to come back on in the future, and we can get more into that or just into other Good. subjects in general. I'd love to. I have yeah. some... We, next time I can say some funny stories and stuff, but this was a good intro to Brazil. I think so too. And my, yeah, I hope I, I get to see that country someday. That, that's my big goal. Go out and travel more. I just got to make a little more of that money to be able to do it. But, you know, hey, what can you do? Get out there and I'll, I'll show you around Brazil. Hell yeah, we should see if we can plan something like that. But once again, thank you for being our first guest and best of luck with the work with Split Tank and uh who the universe god bless brazil thank, thank you thank you jacob thank you kellen yeah. thanks for having me right, fun. You'll see yeah have a good one thank you for listening to the jacob wayne show if you would like to contact us please write us at fakoshka at gmail.com that is f-a-k-o-s-h-k-a at gmail.com you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Simply search The Jacob Wayne Show and it should pop right up. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Please write us. It helps add content to the show and makes the show even better for you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, <laughs> oh,